Before you start listening to this podcast, we've got a special subscription offer. You can get 12 issues of The Spectator for £12, which will give you full access to everything on our website. And we'll also throw in a free £20 Amazon voucher. Just go to spectator.co.uk forward slash voucher if you'd like to get this offer. Welcome to Holy Smoke, the Spectator's religion podcast. I'm Damien Thompson. This week, is the Catholic Church, including Pope Francis, being manipulated by Beijing? It's a question many people have been asking ever since the Vatican signed a deal with China, which supposedly ended a rift between Rome and an independent Chinese Catholic Church that's entirely run by the Communist Party. In 2018, the Vatican signed a secret deal, and it's still secret, its text has never been published, whereby China would stop persecuting an underground church loyal to Rome in return for its own bishops being recognised by Pope Francis. The Pope kept his side of the bargain. He recognised Chinese communist bishops loyal to the party. President Xi, meanwhile, didn't keep his. He stepped up his persecution of all Christians, which has seen countless churches, including Catholic ones, demolished. Underground priests are being forced to sign up to a new united church that is, of course, entirely controlled by the Politburo. Lord Patton, the Catholic former governor of Hong Kong, last month condemned the deal, saying this was an extraordinary time to be doing business with an administration in China which has gone back on human rights. And he declared his support for Cardinal Joseph Zen, retired leader of the church in Hong Kong, who, in a letter leaked a few days ago, accused Cardinal Pietro Parolin, the Pope's Secretary of State, of manipulating Francis. I have strong evidence to believe that Parolin is manipulating the Holy Father, who always shows so much affection to me when we meet, but never answers my questions, he wrote. Then, on Thursday, this. Hoy día en China, la Iglesia mira hacia adelante con la esperanza. La Iglesia quiere que los cristianos chinos sean cristianos en serio. That, complete with delightfully tasteful background music, was the Vatican's official broadcast of Pope Francis's message to the Church in China, which read in full, Today the Church in China looks to the future with hope. The Church wants Chinese Christians to be truly Christians, and to be good citizens. They should promote the gospel, but without engaging in proselytism, and they need to achieve the unity of the divided Catholic community. Let's pray together that the Church in Christ may persevere in its faithfulness to the gospel and grow in unity. Jaws dropped. The Church wants Chinese Christians to be truly Christians and to be good citizens, says the Vicar of Christ. There's only one way to be a good citizen in China, and that's to do exactly what President Xi wants. And what does he want? The unity of the divided Catholic community under his leadership, and no Christian converts, i.e. no proselytism. The Pope's message could have been written by Beijing at the very moment when underground Catholics in China are seeing their churches reduced to rubble, and one bishop loyal to Rome, but deposed from his position by the Pope under the terms of the deal, 
is reportedly on the run from his party minders, who've been trying to arm-twist him into declaring his spiritual loyalty to the Communist Party. I'm joined once again by Ed Condon, Washington Bureau Chief of the Catholic News Agency. Ed, this is creepy stuff. The Pope telling Chinese Christians to be good citizens with all that that entails. Well, I'm not entirely sure what he meant by be good citizens beyond what, you know, the Pope would say to anyone and tell them to be good citizens. I mean, this is an established part of church teaching that, you know, from the time of St. Paul under the Roman Empire, which was, you know, a pretty nasty affair, Christians have been told to be good citizens of the country where they live. The Pope did say, it's worth noting, truly Christian first and then good citizens. And I think if you're living in China, there's unquestionably moments where those two things come into conflict. And it's interesting to see that this line of the Pope's came out in the context of his monthly prayer intention for March, which is, in this case, the unity of the church in China. Now, the entire premise, or at least impetus behind this famous provisional agreement between the Holy See and China that was signed in 2018 was meant to be an act of unification for the church in China, to bring the underground Catholic church out of the catacombs, as it were, and into the light and sort of end the fear in which they supposedly walked. Of course, it hasn't done that at all. Quite clearly, we've seen a litany of churches being pulled down. There are still Catholic bishops in prison in China, one Catholic bishop who who not only ceded to Rome's request that he make way in his diocese for a Beijing-appointed bishop, uh, he's now been turfed out of his home and is living homeless, <laughs> according to a number of media reports. So the you know for the Pope to pray for unity in the Church in China is is well and good and an ongoing priority, but it's increasingly looking like the means the Holy See has been pursuing at a diplomatic level aren't achieving that at all. Well, Ed, could you tell us something about this bishop? Bishop Gao of Mindong, who was actually deposed from his own diocese by the Pope in favour of a bishop who's actually an advisor to the Chinese Communist Party and therefore effectively a Communist Party spy. Well, there's no question that the the established, if you want to call it that, church in China, the one that is very much under the auspices and control of the Chinese Communist Party, is virtually indistinguishable from the Chinese Catholic Patriotic Association, which is the sort of state-run church. Now, in this case, what happened to to Bishop Gao was that he was put under uh, enormous pressure by state authorities, including the new bishop of his own former diocese, of which he's now supposed to be an auxiliary, to sign a basically an act of allegiance to this state-sponsored church. And he refused, as a number of priests, bishops, and lay Catholics have done, saying that you know there can, this isn't just about saying, I sign up to be a good citizen of China, which is fine, but also to sign up to a very Chinese communist-inspired uh, President Xi sort of sinicization program, which places the faith very much underneath the communist ethos and the communist party's authority. And Bishop Gao has said he's not able to do this. Plenty of other Catholics in China said they're not able to do this. And this is, I think, one of the things that shows a real, well, I mean, you could call it a sticking point, but for many people in China, I think it's a its a time of great crisis and, and soul-searching because on the one hand, you have the Chinese, in one case that I'm aware of, pulling down a church and men on the bulldozers saying, the Vatican is with us. We, are, we speak with the Vatican's authority in China, which may or may not be true in that case, but they're saying it anyway. And these people who are refusing to sign up to the to the communist regime. Now, last year, the Holy See released a statement, a communique, I think it was, on the status of Catholics, bishops and priests 
who felt unable to sign up to make this sort of formal act of allegiance to the state-controlled, state-sponsored, state-sanctioned church and said that they couldn't be compelled against their conscience. There were, you know, different situations in different places in China. It's a big place. Different regional governments are certainly handling the sort of sinicization of religion program very differently. It's definitely more hostile in some places than others. But this unsigned document from the Vatican said that their conscience had to be respected, that no one could be forced to make these sort of acts of allegiance. But what seems very clear is no one is going into bat, at least publicly, from the Holy See at the diplomatic level for these people who are refusing. So for some Catholics in China, at least, these are times of despair and fear. They're coming out of the catacombs to be greeted by their persecutors waiting for them. Couldn't the Pope at least have acknowledged that there's a problem here? He certainly could have. I mean, this is one of the problems that really you encounter very quickly in the kind of diplomacy the Holy See has been engaging in with China. None of us, of course, know what's going on behind the scenes. None of us even know what the actual text and provisions of this Vatican-China deal contain. It's, it's all carefully sealed. Now, it may well be that there's furious politicking going on. It may well be that Catholics in China are being spared far worse things because of what the Vatican is trying to do by giving them cover with this deal. We don't know. That's an unknown. But it's certainly a very unedifying spectacle to see the Holy See apparently, I think it would be fair to say, in, enthusiastically engaging with the communist government in China. We had a meeting between Archbishop Gallagher, who's the sort of chief diplomatic officer of the Holy See's Secretariat of State, and I think it was Munich uh, last month, and saying that, you know, the, the parties were working together with, you know, a great deal of cheerful, mutual, constructive effort. And it's difficult to see that while at the same time seeing the story after story coming out of China of bishops, priests and faithful who are having their churches pulled down or being harassed by government authorities. Now, this is the great problem the church has had in many occasions when they've pursued lines like this. There was, you know, famously the, the template of so-called Ostpolitik, which was the Holy See's attempt to, I don't want to say accommodate, but to reach a sort of mutual understanding with the governments behind the Iron Curtain so that Catholics could at least practice their faith in some way in the open, even if it was heavily under sort of communist suspicion and control. Now, Pope John Paul II very much took that entire approach and junked it in no uncertain terms and helped bring down the Iron Curtain in the process. And there definitely seems to be a certain Ostpolitik flavor to what the Holy See under Cardinal Paroline is attempting to do with China. Now, we don't know ultimately, of course, how successful it's being behind the scenes. But we can only gauge what we can see, which doesn't look particularly good or cheerful for the underground church in China. And I guess history will have to be the judge. But I think it's fair to say that I haven't been able to identify a past example where this kind of diplomacy has yielded really very good fruit for the faith or for the church. Arguably, one of the influences on Ostpolitik was the number of left-wing clerics in the Vatican and elsewhere who had an ideological sympathy with Marxism and a very deep dislike of capitalism and especially the United States. We know that Pope Francis is no fan of the United States and also seems to have a soft spot for authoritarian regimes, particularly those on the left or those that are very anti-American. I mean, he was, after all, in Argentina, a supporter of the Peronist movement that grew out of the dictatorship of Juan Perón. 
One of the Pope's closest advisers, Bishop Marcelo Sarondo, an Argentinian, has said that, at this moment, those who best realise the social doctrine of the Church are the Chinese. He reckons that China is exercising global moral leadership, according to the principles of Catholic social teaching. Well, that was certainly a quote that I think was greeted pretty much universally across the Church with disbelief. I think you're right that there there was, during the time of Ostpolitik, many people who had a, a broad sympathy for the aims of sort of communist socialism. And I think the same is true now. We're seeing a resurgence in different parts of the church of people who have a tendency to conflate sympathy for left-leaning political systems for a different kind of theology in the church. And... One thing I would note that is a, a difference between, if you like, a Peronist approach to government and that which is pursued by the Chinese Communist Party is this. The harshest criticism you could make of a sort of South American Peronist populist dictatorship is that they say yes to everyone and then do what they like. The Chinese Communist Party doesn't seem to be saying yes to anything and is quite prepared to engage in mass internment, systematic religious persecution, run a surveillance state imprison clergy. We're now seeing things of you know forced labor, uh, practically slave labor coming out of the camps uh, in Xinjiang province with the Uyghurs being sent into factories in the American industrial supply chain. And what has the Pope said about what are probably the largest scale abuses of human rights on the planet? Absolutely nothing. This is one of the areas in which the Pope has not exactly been explicit in uh, addressing the human rights crisis. He has spoken about um, the human rights crisis in other countries in the world. He's spoken about Syria. He's spoken about Yemen, different countries in the Middle East. He's he's shown a great sensitivity for, but but not China. Uh, he certainly hasn't said anything about the, the years-long protests in Hong Kong, for example. And here again, we, do, we can't really judge at this point whether this is a prudential silence as he's trying to achieve more behind the scenes or if it's something that doesn't particularly catch his eye. I find it difficult to believe that a man who, by all accounts, is, is sincerely gripped with the idea of the suffering poor would be utterly indifferent to the situation in China. I don't think that that's a credible explanation. But at the same time, this is, if you like, the real danger of the church entering into a sort of institutional relationship with an institutionally bad actor like the Chinese Communist Party, is it leaves you, even in silence, apparently sympathetic or at least tolerant of what that regime is doing. This is, I should point out, historically not something unique for the church. Similar accusations were leveled against Pius XII during the war, uh, when, of course, he was doing his best to produce false papers and traffic um, Jews and Holocaust survivors out of the country. But at the same time, he was criticized very heavily for not speaking out against Nazism or fascism in, in Germany and Italy. Well, Pius XII did at least issue a coded statement, which the late Jewish historian Sir Martin Gilbert said put the Catholic Church squarely and publicly against the Holocaust. And Gilbert also said that hundreds of thousands of Jews were saved by the entire Catholic Church under the leadership and with the support of Pope Pius XII. There's no evidence whatsoever that this Pope's policy towards communist China is saving any lives. Well, that is the problem. And it's a very unedifying look. I think a lot of Catholics are looking to the Holy See and to Pope Francis for courageous moral leadership when we're dealing with situations of global concern, like, for example, the mass internment of Uyghurs. I think it's something that his voice could add a lot on.
that it's it's an issue which is crying out for greater attention and for a moral champion. And again, we don't know to what extent the Pope's hands are tied by this by this agreement with China. We don't know to what extent the Pope is tying his own hands because he's trying to work behind the scenes for what he what he might perceive to be a, a greater good or a longer term aim. We don't know, but in the interim, it's very, very unpleasant for a lot of Catholics to watch. And that is, I'm afraid, the inescapable cost of doing business with a regime like China. So Beijing has basically said to the Vatican, you want this deal, keep quiet about the Uyghurs and the church demolitions and the bishops who are still in prison. And the Vatican has said, yeah, yeah, okay." I find it difficult to think of a situation in which the Holy See, through the Secretary of State, is trying to negotiate for, say, greater state-level or public tolerance of religious practice in the country and at the same time criticizing the regime. I mean, looking from the outside, it's pretty easy to see that the, the Chinese regime brooks no dissent whatsoever or any criticism with a partner organization. You know, basketball players have been heavily censored. And in some cases, I think a, a basketball manager for the NBA was sacked for voicing support for pro-democracy uh, demonstrators in Hong Kong. And the, the stars of the National Basketball League were trotted out sort of in chorus line to apologize and explain away what was going on in China at the behest of the regime because the NBA is big business in China. So, I mean, if that's the sort of reaction it can command in a major sports league uh, for one fairly junior official sending a tweet, then yes, I think that if the Vatican's hoping to achieve any kind of real diplomatic progress, it seems unlikely they'd be able to do that and criticize uh, the situation of the Uyghurs at the same time. I think that would be a fair argument, Ed, if there were any evidence that this deal has brought about an increase in religious freedom in China. In fact, as far as I can work out, all that's happened is that formerly underground bishops have been rehabilitated by China on condition that they submit to, if you like, the spiritual authority of the Chinese Communist Party, because the government is very, very clear that being good citizens, as the Pope puts it, comes before being a Christian. And these underground bishops are expected to recognise that quite explicitly, to prioritise the wisdom of the party over that of the Gospels. Now, the Vatican surely must have known when it signed this deal that Z's programme of signification was already underway, and that permits no religious activity whatsoever that is not directly controlled by the Communist Party, owned by it. That certainly seems to be the trend. The President Xi's years-long now programme of sinicization, uh, I think, can be fairly neutrally referred to as a take-no-prisoners approach. It's hard to see any religious community that's being peacefully integrated into this program. It does appear to be one of, of repression. And that is, as I said, very hard to watch. Ed Condon, thank you very much. <laughs>